I'll say this, man. There's not a lot of people like some people. They they aggravate me or annoy me. Josh is one person I think I really just dislike. <laughs> I just really dislike him, and I, I I hope bad things happen to Josh. Not like he dies or anybody like that. That doesn't get hurt. I just hope bad things. Like he stubs his toe a lot, or like you know somebody keys his car. <laughs> somebody just kind of just kind of shake him up a little bit. <laughs> Uh, my name is uh, Gary G. Brockenheimer. I'm a uh, I'm a NBA blogger, uh, and I also make my own spreadsheets. And you are listening to uh, this is two two gods and a goose uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, it's very efficient, and uh, you're gonna really like it. Two gods and a goose podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned in to the Two Gods and a Goose podcast. We are back. You may have forgotten about us, but we are still here. Shame, are you here? Are we here? Are we? I, yeah, I'm here. I'm. I've always been here. My mic hasn't been here, but I have always been here. So you know, on this on this show, we take everyone um, behind the curtain all the time. Uh, we have been set to record the last couple weekends. Uh, to try to get you guys the fiends. I know the people have 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 uh, you know been demanding more regular podcasts from us. Uh, so I just like to um, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of preface this with hashtag uh, blame sham. Uh, his mic has been mayhem the last two weeks, I, last two weekends. I have nothing to do with this. It is not my fault at all, not one bit. Uh, Sham, would you like to share some of your frustrations with uh, the mic manufacturers? Yeah, okay. So, first of all, I'd like to just shout out the Mercantile mic, the one that I'm currently on, for being a solid, maybe not the best mic, but it's been solid. It's been providing... So, so that's the Ish Smith mic, basically. That's the Yeah, that's the Ish Smith of mics. Um, but the one that I, I really want to kind of rail on is the the like the Reggie Jackson of mics, which is the blue microphone. Uh, oh come on, man! Well, listen, okay. So when we had David Fernandez of Inside the Cylinder Detroit Bad Boys on with us, he his audio sounded crisp and clear, and we asked him, "Hey, hey, David, uh, what kind of mic do you have? Because we want to get those same ones." And so we asked him, and he said, "I got these these blue these blue Yeti microphones." So that week, Keith and I ordered. The, the exact same microphone, exact same filter, everything was the same. Ordered it. We got the mics. We recorded episode three and four with those mics. And now we're on episode five. And when we tried to record this one. When when we recorded it, one of us, the mic is working fine. Plug the mic in. Perfect. Works fine. The other guy, uh, not so much. Yeah, it's just the consistency, you know. It, you know, it's just... I don't understand how you can spend over $100 in a microphone and have it poop out after a month. You know, it, it's under warranty. They've been very nice. They've offered me a replacement and everything like that. But still, I don't think they understand that this is a big platform. Ma- massive platform. Well, yeah, there aren't that many podcasts out there that use the blue, that use the blue Yeti microphone that are this big. We have some big name sponsors on this, uh, you know, on this show. First episode, we shouted out uh, AngelSoft. Yes. And then yes. they, then they, uh, they turned on us, so now we're a sponsor. You know, Charmin's our sponsor. It's just this is a big platform, and they had an opportunity to come on the podcast. You know, apologize to me, provide me with free merch. It, it's fine. Like, I'll accept the free merch. That's fine. But the, you know, but the the, the bread and butter done, of our baby. podcast. Yeah the, yeah, the damage is done. So now I have to wait until episode six to to get this blue this blue Yeti microphone back. Uh, and you know, like I said, they've been very very nice. They didn't pay for the shipping, but that's you know neither here nor there but you know i'm on the mercantile mic it's solid it does the job it's not the best but it does the job i wouldn't want it for 82 games but in spurts it's fine okay let people know uh we obviously have this massive show now um that's massively successful with the uh, the beginnings of a cult following let them know where they can find us uh so you can find us if you just search two gods and a goose in the the Apple Podcast, the iTunes Podcast, we're there, and also we're on Stitcher. So if you want to leave leave us a five star review, but in the but in the in in the comments, just shout out Blue Microphones and say, hey, you know what? Like, what the hell are you doing? This is a big podcast. Uh, so I was kind of thinking, you know, where to get the show off the ground this week. Uh, we have some um some very cool guests on this week. Uh, we're going to talk obviously NBA playoffs, a lot of uh, playoff talk. Uh, we have, you know, what's 
who's become probably our our most favorite with our fan base uh, guest, Snotty dripping on with us in a bit. Uh, so I want to I don't want to get too deep into the playoffs, but obviously. Um, I kind of wanted to get your feelings uh, on, you know, best, worst series, some things that have stuck out from you in this playoff. Uh, we're coming off of uh, Portland being eliminated, sw- swept last night by New Orleans. Um, so kind of wanted to get your thoughts, you know, on what you've seen so far, what's kind of stuck out to you. I think the most intriguing matchups uh, on, on the West and the East are the, are the two matchups that I thought in the beginning were, were going to be the most intriguing. The Philadelphia-Miami matchup has been very interesting on the east and then the utah okc matchup on the west has been has been interesting I, I think the most surprising to me was the was the portland sweep because i chose portland seven but i was like maybe they're gonna you know beat them in five maybe in six let's just be safe and go seven and i was clearly wrong on that one well the portland new orleans thing is fascinating because um and we were talking about this yesterday uh you know, I don't remember the last time that consensus has said one thing and the and the um, results have been completely the opposite of that. You know, I, di- I didn't see anyone um, say New Orleans would win two games, let alone four games in that series. So, um, you know, that that obviously is a fascinating thing that we'll get into with Snotty a little later. Um, but the Miami and Philadelphia series has been everything that we hoped it would be and more. You know, there's it's been contentious, um, and and I feel like we've seen kind of the you know welcome to the NBA from Philly's two stars and Simmons and um, uh, Embiid. You know, I, I wanted to ask you this with respect to that series, though. Does this feel this kind of feels to me like a a, a change, like a hurricane is coming to the NBA, and and that is this Sixers team, and that. You know, it's kind of like when a hurricane comes through, it it alters the landscape to an extent, and I kind of feel like that with um, this this young Philly team. Like it's going to ch- they're ch- going to change things, and it's going to be changed for a while. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, just going to shout out Snotty here. He had mentioned on Twitter that the the buzz and the excitement and the youth that surrounds the 76ers team is really similar to the early Golden State years when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, Draymond Green were just kind of gelling together and they looked exciting and they were making noise in the playoffs but they didn't necessarily go all the way until you know a couple years down the line and maybe that's what we're seeing right now in philly they have a lot of youth so it's just exciting to see what pieces they're going to add around you know Embiid and simmons and fultz is going to come back healthy philly is is definitely the team to look out for going forward yeah i mean if you look if you add fultz and and you get anything out of him of significance you know that's that's downright scary um you know and then just the, the surrounding cast around him beating simmons have played really 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 well uh and this has been you know really the postseason of the white guys shooting awkward 25 off you know awkward off balance 25 footers I can't even explain that if I try. Can you can you explain that to me at all? You're talking about Ilyasova and Miritich and uh It's just spacing the floor. And I think the European influence on spacing the floor has really changed the NBA. Uh Bellinelli in the in in, in this series thus far, him and Ilyasova have spaced the floor enough. It kind of made Hassan Whiteside irrelevant in the series. Yeah, I mean the Hassan Whiteside. He they they've made him a non-factor. He's contributed to some of his not him being a non-factor. Uh, you transition from the East and the story, the big story in the East to the big story in the West. Obviously the OKC uh, Utah series, but really Donovan Mitchell, man. I mean you're talking about this kid. I mean he is he, now. Granted, you and I, and you can you can attest to this. Uh, when we looked each other in the face last September and I told you once the OKC team was constructed like this, it was a bad fit. It was a bad, it wasn't going to work, you know. Um, uh, but did I have Donovan Mitchell completely taking apart Oklahoma City like this? And I understand we're only three games in, but the two wins, especially last night, I mean, you're talking about Don- a rookie taking apart, you know, two all-stars and a, and a guy that was an all-star before. So, you know, talk a little bit about your your um, reaction to Donovan Mitchell's first playoff. Run. Well, actually, let me start by just saying that this Oklahoma City team is is missing a huge part of the team, and and that's fair. Andrew Roberson was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. If if he were playing in the series, I don't think Mitchell would be as effective as he is. That's now. fair. No, that's a fair Which point. Which is that's a fair yeah. Point. Um, but just you know, knowing that Donovan Mitchell has been absolutely incredible. He's had the killer instinct. 
He's, you know, doing spinning floaters to end the game on, on Paul George. And he's looked incredible. And, and actually, this Utah Jazz team was missing someone like him. Someone who can just score the basketball at will and just not really care. Just be free-flowing on offense. Just shoot the ball, let it fly. They've been a defensive-minded team. Good offensive rebounding. But they really missed that killer score that they that Hayward, you know, left a, a, a void with, you know. So... He steps in, provides that offensive punch, and that team is looking really good all of a sudden. The thing that's that's really cool about these playoffs so far um, is, you know, I think we've seen a couple. Anytime you see new blood, you know, you're talking about New Orleans in the second round. Anytime you see new blood, this happens in the NFL a lot too. It's always a cool feeling because it kind of feels like new. It's why everybody's kind of going, uh, you know, I pray that it's not Golden State Cleveland volume 26 or whatever this year. Um, it's obviously going to be Houston and Cleveland, but – uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, so you you're, you kind of feel good when there's new blood. But to me, when you look at Philadelphia, you look at New Orleans, you look at Utah, all three of those teams, the fun factor you get from those teams. You watch Utah, that is a fun team to watch, man. You watch Philadelphia, that's a fun team to watch. And I think that aspect has not been totally missing, but I feel like there's a, there's a new energy in these playoffs this year and it's it's really really cool to watch i mean and you're missing a lot of fun players like boston is missing their is is missing Kyrie irving and he's been incredible in the playoffs yeah absolutely so yeah we'll see i mean like going forward this is like the basketball is like i've been saying this on twitter a lot buy stock and the nba because as football declines the nba is getting more and more fun i mean the nba is the best i mean it's it's clearly the best sport right now clearly not even close. It's, it, it is clearly, and 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 both you and I are football fans, and I think we both can agree that the NBA definitely has surpassed yeah, the NFL. Far, this by far, by far. Um, so yeah, so I think the fun element um, ha- has you know has kind of been there in in these first playoffs. So you know, I'm interested to see how that rolls out. Uh, let's uh, transition. I know you have them on the line to uh, snotty dripping and, and really get into the NBA thing. Podcast. Yo, this this dude's sham wrote on the street. He's like, he's like snotty dripping intro snotty. And how I read it is, I'm like, do you want to have him intro himself? Because that would be funny as. F- <clears throat> Welcome to the the Duck and the God <laughs> podcast. I'm Snotty Dripping, also known as James Holis. You can read my stuff everywhere and listen to me everywhere because I do a lot of podcasts and I have leather books and <laughs> the duck, right? And who we talking about? Yo, it's a goose, James. That goose, man. I saw he um, came for you recently, man. He came for your head, man. You guys were did he? I don't know what happened. I stayed out of the way, man. Yeah, you like retweeted it when the last when the episode dropped, the last episode. He was telling you to square up, was he? Oh, I, I don't know. I got a lot of people. I actually have people who like to talk in my mention. So a goose was like a, a goose with like fifty followers. I don't worry about that. So speaking of that, um, full transparency is what we do for our for our massive cult following audience that we have now. Um, there was another writer that was booked here that Sham had booked that I bumped. <laughs> um, I, I want to tread lightly here because it's not my battle, uh, but I enjoy anarchy. So uh, is there anything we want to talk about with respect to that? Because I saw the guys. I, I, don't, I don't follow this person. Uh, I, I was told by an anonymous source to maybe check out some of his material. And uh, I kind of saw a little bit of hackery with, in the material. Uh, so James, do you have uh, anything to add to this by chance? So no, I mean, you guys could have had Josh Ubley on if you wanted to, but then you would have just heard as he ate for thirty minutes because he's a eater. So like, that's probably not the best idea. I mean, that's not really good content to hear. No, no. And you go, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just eating a turd. That's cool if you want to have him on, and then you could ask him like, Hey, man, why did you delete all your tweets about Danny Ainge from last summer? You know. I don't know if you lead him or not because he got me blocked. But uh, Hypoth- hypothetically, what would some of those tweets say? Uh, it's just it's like it, you know how stupid Ainge was not to make the moves. He traded away all the depth. He traded away all the defense, and Ainge doesn't know what he's doing. It got to the point where I'm like, seriously, man. Like I get it. Like your thing now is to try to do hot takes. You've been at the Skip Bayless School of uh, Journalism, and if you call him on it, though, be careful, listeners out there. Watch out, boys and girls. Don't call him on it because he'll say you're attacking his credibility instead of just saying, "Hey, I was wrong." So. Um. So yeah, whatever, man. He's just he's a, he's, he turned. I, I I can almost pinpoint the day he turned into a clown. 
But then there was actually an interaction we had where he actually turned into a, a literal feces eater. So I call him shit eater, Eberly. It's all fun and games using on, on even even blogger Brady. Bro, you know, oh, Brad Stevens being out coached again. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Did the fake Duncan Smith just join no, us? No, that's Broderick. They all have the same voice. All the nerd heads have the same voice. Oh, look at Brad Stevens. Once again, show you can't coach to the playoffs. Uh, uh. You know, that's all. The, they're all the same person. Which I'm going to say right now, look, this is funny because people say, oh, why you hate numbers? I'm not, I don't hate numbers. I don't hate analytics. I'm not scared. They're great. They're, they have in context and, and for team building and for analysis of games, they're all, they're great. They're, they have a place. When all you do is talk based off efficient analytics, you sound like a freaking idiot. James Hole is snotty dripping with us from 9,700 different podcasts. Uh, one of the smartest minds in basketball, in my opinion, uh, airs everybody out. I love it. So I want to kind of start with the playoffs yeah, and um, talk about what's been the most enjoyable series to most you. Most enjoyable series. I mean, how can I not say Cavs and, and Pacers? We've all been saying all season long, well, it's been a big battle. Wow, man, LeBron James, the numbers are great. The defense is very good. The team's not, they're struggling. And then the other side says, talk, who cares? Every year they do the same thing. We know the Cavs will turn on the playoffs. Well, the Cavs are now down, or, you know, they're down They're down in the series to a Pacers team that's not letting their foot off their neck. And um, LeBron James has been brilliant. I think he's averaging, like, I don't know, like 33, like 11 and 8 or whatever, and he's shooting great from the floor, and his team is still losing. I think even right now, net on off, even when he's on the court, they're still like negative 1.8 points per 100 possessions, which sounds really nerdy. That just says that they're they're still getting beat with LeBron on the floor. I feel like you should have done that in a fake Duncan Smith voice, truthfully. Well, I'm just, uh, if you look at the numbers, it says that uh, ugh, even with LeBron, they're down 1.8 points per 100 possessions. Ugh. <laughs> uh, but seriously, no, so it's, it, this is one of those times, like LeBron James, since 2012, everyone says it over and over again, he hasn't lost in the first round. They've already lost two games. He's never lost in the first. He's never lost a series in the first round. And I'm not saying it's like it's like a high possibility, right? I still think LeBron James is still LeBron James, and he's gonna you know reach deep into his magic, his bag of tricks. But he's already playing at a really high level, and you know they got blown out one game, and they they lost. They blew a 17 point lead last game. So to me, that's the most in, the most compelling series. Yeah, I mean, I think um, with LeBron, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things um, where he's gonna you know dig in his bag of tricks and and somehow make it out of this like he always does. But the thing, and I think you tweeted this recently, but the thing that's really struck me is, you know, he's he's tired by the third quarter in most of these games because he's having to, to use up so much of his energy that he usually isn't having to use in the first quarter in previous years. So, you know, he may hit, if he does get past this line, this this round, he may hit the next series and you'll be like, oh, he looks really, really gassed because he's never really yeah. had to expel this much energy this early in the playoffs. That's the concerning thing for me. And his depth is a lot worse, too. Like, you know, this this Cavs team is probably the worst he's had. Oh, this team is terrible. Years. Like, forget. This, what is, James, what does this team win without LeBron James? It's so hard to say, man, because so many guys' roles would be so different. And, and I'm starting to wonder, like, somebody tweeted this to me, too. They said, I think other stars don't like playing with LeBron James. And then you look at, like, a Jay Crowder and, like, a Derrick Rose – these guys aren't great players, right? And they're role players, but they looked horrible in in Cleveland, and then they go other places. Like right now, Jay Crowder's still not shooting well, but he looks he's he has a role on a good team in Utah. Derrick Rose just even Wade, yeah. I was gonna say Dwayne Wade had a couple throwback performances, and uh, he's been helping Miami, which and somehow they just looked so out of place in Cleveland, right? Derrick Rose just helped Minnesota beat Houston, and he was you no, know, we we chalked him up for you no know, dead in the water in Cleveland as far as like he's he can't play anymore at all. So I'm not saying like this is indicative of anything, maybe a problem with LeBron James, but it's just so hard for me to say, okay, LeBron James is dominating the action in Cleveland. Take him out of there. They're, they stink. And that's absolutely true. Now give them a training camp and a guy like George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Larry Nance. Is like, they're the good players. Kevin Love. They're good players. Rodney Hood. These are good players. I'm not saying they'd be better, but I'm not saying they'd be an absolute dumpster fire without the LeBron James cloud hanging over them. There's a cloud playing with LeBron James. Because you know there's a pressure. There's, there's, the pressure is not just to be a good team. The pressure is we got to go to the finals. The pressure is I got I got to make a shot when LeBron James passes me the ball. I got to I got to sit here and I can't do my thing that I'm used to doing my whole career because LeBron James is handling the ball. But when he comes to me, I got to be ready. Yeah. You know I got to know when to pick my spots. Jay Crowder complained about that. He was like, you know, I'm used to having a system and there's no real system here. Basically, what he said to 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 sum it up. Not like killing LeBron. Just like I got to just kind of play off him and float off him and read when to go, when not to go. There's no real system, and that matters to a lot of players. 
to a lot of teams. So that's what it's it's really hard. It's I think it's harder to play with LeBron than people make it out. No, nah, that's a fair point. Uh, we talked in the intro about the two most compelling or fun, I guess, series uh, for Sham and I, and it was really in the East: Philly, Miami, obviously in the West, um, Oklahoma City and Utah, and really, you know, kind of both being Utah and um, Donovan Mitchell, and then Embiid and Simmons in Philly. You know, um, talk about that OKC um, um, Utah series and kind of your impressions on that. And then, you know, um, just the impact Donovan Mitchell has had this. So early. I think I might have picked uh, the dummy that I am. I think I might have picked Thunder and seven in that series. And even though I knew and I wrote about a little bit about this, about Donovan Mitchell over at B-Ball Breakdown, the fact that like it comes down to the Utah Jazz might not be as talented up top, but they're so disciplined and they believe and they confidence in chemistry is a, is a hell of a drug for a team like Utah. At the other end of the spectrum, I think they ended the season like a, I think like a 33 to eight run. They ended the season, which is amazing. On the other hand, OKC all season has been saying, Oh, we're built for the playoffs. We'll get it. We're fine. We're fine. They're not fine. Uh, and they looked it. They looked, they looked every bit as discombobulated now as they did back in like, say January, or December, taking a bad loss. And that's concerning, man. It, it really is. And they don't look like they, like they really enjoy playing together. The ball doesn't have a lot of energy, even when they're moving it around. So, that's the, that series is obviously is compelling because you got a rookie, Donovan Mitchell, who's outplayed Russell Westbrook and Paul George in fourth quarters of clutch of big time playoff games. Like that's and, and Ricky Rubio just you know beat the brakes off of Russell Westbrook, the reigning MVP, in a game. So this is I, I don't know if anyone outside of Utah expected this, but it's been a lot of fun. Donovan Mitchell just plays with that like you know that just joy. We got Snotty Drippin', James Holis on with us, writer for B-Ball Breakdown and Million Pods. Yeah, we just touched on the Utah Jazz, but how good, how good is is Donovan Mitchell going to be? Like, I mean, it's it's scary to think that already in year one, he is just as impactful, if not more, at least on the offensive side of the ball, than Gordon Hayward. After Gordon Hayward, like, was you know, brought along slowly for five, six, seven years. Um, I I think he has a super a superstar ceiling. Like the way he's scoring right now at the age of 21, the things he can do with the ball in his hands, the like the lack of of any kind of fear. He's fearless, which sounds like one of those cliche things, but the, I think he can be a superstar. I think he's we're talking he's gonna be a top 10 in the NBA type player, you know, by year three or four for him, if if not like sooner. You know, like he's a prodigy. And staying in the Western Conference, but shifting, you know, to what really is kind of a shock to I mean most people out there. Um, and that's the Portland New Orleans series and watching the Blazers get swept as the three seed. Um, something that, you know, I, I told Sham earlier, I, I don't remember a time and you could correct me um, on this, too. I don't remember a time when consensus has said one thing. I mean, people were barely given New Orleans two games, let alone a series. And then the consensus is completely wrong. We were all completely wrong. Ten days ago, it was, can Anthony Davis win a playoff game? Now it's, can anybody stop Anthony Davis? Um, yeah, like I said, I think I called Portland in seven. I knew that Brow would be the probably the best player in the series. I did not think Drew Holiday would be this good. I know he's a good player. I know he's, he had a really strong season. I, I talked about this before before the series even started. I think he averaged like 19, 5, and 6 during the season, which is incredible. And no one ever really talked about him. I didn't think he'd outplay Dame Lillard. Um, I did not think that the Pelicans' defense would literally like break Dame. Dame was saying, "Like I've never seen a defense like this before." The fact that they were not just doubling him, but they were doubling him and staying, and like the, it looked like they had six defenders at their times because they were flying around, and him and CJ had no airspace. Dame and CJ had zero airspace to to get shots off and to get what they needed to get done. But um, yeah, I was absolutely shocked that it was a, it was th- that much of a beatdown. I thought that. Maybe Dame doesn't have a, a playoff gear because this is one not this like this is not a a one off thing. He's had some pretty bad playoff series, so it kind of it, it bums me out because I love Dame. I think he's one of the, he's definitely like close to top ten in the league. But I want to talk about the Blazers in a second, but I want to obviously kind of just touch on New Orleans for a second, and I'm gonna kind of pose the same question Sham did with Donovan Mitchell to you. I mean, how good? I mean, maybe right now, but how good is Anthony Davis, honestly? How, uh, how we're good seeing the he? fruition uh, because I don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago after Anthony Davis' rookie year, all the talk was this guy's going to be a top five player by next season. And it didn't happen because of injuries and they did a poor job of roster construction. And I think uh, I, I think the league kind of turned away from him and focused on Carl Anthony Towns and Jokic and, and Porzingis. And he was kind of like forgotten, toiling away in New Orleans. Well, this is this is what... What happens when you turn your back, you let a guy mature when you're not really watching. 
he's right now probably a top five player, and he definitely could be. You know, there's gonna be there's, there could be a time once LeBron's time is over here, sometime in the next few years, where we're saying Anthony Davis is the best player in the league. Like at his size, to be as mobile defensively as he is, he's a one he's a one man defensive wrecking crew. Like he he him on the court is what just destroyed Dame and CJ. It, it was in, it was really impressive to watch, and I, I myself have have probably underrated Anthony Davis for the last few years. And I feel bad for it because this kid is incredible. He's hitting, he's hitting threes. He's hitting jumpers. He's literally unstoppable uh, against most teams. And now we arrive at a at a question that none of us ten days ago would have thought we would have um, been able to ask, and that's the next series. And you take into account that Steph is down for a little while longer. You know, Durant has had his issues. Um, they're kind of a little beat up over there. I mean, in the way New Orleans is playing right now. Can they honestly push Golden State? Is that ridiculous to say at this point? It's so hard for us to shift our our mentality from Golden State head and shoulders above everybody else, right? For the last two and a half years, they've been just maybe three years, they've been just flat out better than everyone else in the league. Uh, and now it's so hard to shift from that. But once you take Steph out of the equation and you look at how beat up the rest of these guys look, they just haven't looked sharp. They haven't looked sharp all season. Like if you like, I think what they went fifty seven games this year. If you had told me, even with Steph missing time, that they, were only, they only won 57 yep. games, I would have called you a liar. I thought you were a fool. So uh, the rest of the league has kind of caught up, and I think there's a lot of fatigue going on in Golden State. And with, I mean, the resurgent Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, he didn't, you know, he was he was gently used this season, and he, you know, he has, he has a, lot, a lot of spring in his legs. Rondo, obviously, is the X factor. As much as I hate talking about how Rondo's playing well, he is. Like, I got to give it to him. I'm not a Rondo believer either, but the guy, he's, he was a, a big part in dismantling Portland. We can't underestimate how much chemistry and, like, just momentum momentum works in a situation like this. If Steph comes back at 100% and these guys are rolling the way they are, they're clicking. Miritich, we got to shout out uh, Nikolai Miritich. He shaved, and he looks like a thumb with eyes without his facial hair. But the guy is, he's been playing like an all-star. No, I've la- I've labeled this, bro. I've labeled this the season of the awkward, uh, or the white guy shooting awkward twenty five footers. We've never seen this before. This is the season of it with Miritich and and Bellinelli and these dudes. I mean, it's it's may I've never seen. Any, I don't even know how to explain it if I try. And this is where I'm gonna. We, I, I hate to give all, all of them TM credit, but this is the Steph Curry effect. All of them. Wait, yo, let that marinate. All of them TM. They don't get oh, that. Yeah. You can't go past that. You fast, man. Let them so, marry. Those uh them, TM, like we trademarked that. That's those are the people who would rather look at a spreadsheet than actually watch a game. It's those people they're absolutely right though. Gravity and spacing from anywhere on the floor. And so having a big man who can shoot from 20, 30, from 30, 35 feet and like hit consistently, that's gonna break a defense. And Meritage helped break Portland's defense. I mean uh, I think we're seeing some, we're seeing it. Joe Ingles right now with OKC, he's breaking he's breaking OKC's defense because he's if he if you give yeah. him a sliver of daylight, he's he's draining three in your mug, and it, it's you know Rich Rubio hitting threes. So back to Miritich, he's I think he he's, he was averaging like twenty five and seven or something at that point. So he he was going nuts. He was he was just amazing. So it kind of makes me feel bad for Boogie. Right, because Boogie's supposed to come back to this team next year, and I don't, I don't know if he's a better fit. You know, he's he's a better talent. I don't think he's a better fit with Brow than, than Meritage. Let's transition to a, the more somber note on this series, and that's Portland um, getting swept like this. Three seed, you know, Dame has had his best career year this year. You had what a lot of people would say would be breakout a breakout year, certainly for his position from Al Farouk Aminu. Um, they went from a god awful defense defensive team to around a top five, six, seven, eight type defensive team. Um, I mean, where do you go next with that team? I think I saw that Dame had made a comment about how um, he feels they can be like Golden State and make a kind yeah, of jump. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love. See, I, I, I got you. Got to love that from a leader, right? He he really wants to show his guys he believes. I think he's batshit crazy. But it's it's all right to have that kind of belief in yourself, and it's on the on the management to to do what the hard things they have to do. They screwed up when they gave uh, Myers Leonard and like Evan Turner and Alan Crabb and Festus Azili like a combined like sixty something million dollars or something, whatever. Some that summer when they gave all that money out, they really hamstrung themselves, and they, they got to do something now because if this is this team ceiling, which I really think it is, I don't see anybody else who's gonna make a leap on this team. You got to move some of those, some of these people, and either bring in help for CJ and Dame, or split CJ and Dame up. CJ can fetch you something really nice. Yeah, I mean, to me, two things s- struck me on this: the CJ thing I'll get to in a second. Uh, 
The first thing is I truly think this, getting swept like this could be a blessing in disguise because now you don't have to pay Yusuf Nurkic $100 million for 40 games of energy. Absolutely. In a league, in a league where, where his type of big is becoming more extinct by the daily. Absolutely. So I'm looking at that could have been – I mean, you talk about they get out – they beat New Orleans how we all expected them to. They go play Golden State. Say Golden State's a little beat up like they've been. They push Golden State to six or seven games. They're going to be really playing with house money at that point, and they're going to think, oh, you know, they're going to have that classic mindset of, oh, we're just a player away. We're just a player away, you know, whoop-de-whoop. And then you go out and pay Nurkic that type of money. Whoop-de-whoop. The CJ thing is interesting to me, and this is something I wanted to talk to you about because I saw some of the tweets you had, some of the retweets. The the CJ thing, to me, Portland, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Portland screams West Coast Wizards backcourt to me, where it's like, okay, these two are really, really good. I, I don't think it's ridiculous to say they play really well together, but they're pretty similar. And there's if their ceiling is maybe the second round, how can you commit $200 million to maybe the second round? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's... And even with the Wizards, both of both of Beal and Wall are physical and you know bigger guards. And the problem is that you see, like Drew Holiday is a good player. He looked like Michael Jordan because both those guys, Dame and CJ, they're just not big enough and they don't they're not defensive minded yeah. enough to slow anybody down. Like so, when it comes to playoffs, that's just not going to work. And you know the standard standard notion is if you got a guard like Steph, you need to play Thompson out, somebody long and and like to defend beside him. And luckily, Clay is also an awesome shooter, so that's incredible for them. CJ and Dame are so good offensively, but I mean, they just, that just, it's not going to, if you, if this is like, again, if this is their ceiling and you, can you move CJ and find somebody to, to play defense beside Dame? I just, yeah, I, don't I saw know. you tweet something about know. Dame needing a bigger def- defensive minded two guard next to him. And, you know, I agree a hundred percent with that. The name that I saw that, I don't know if it was you or it was, you'll know what I'm talking about here, but that Milwaukee deal where you're talking about a dude like Chris Middleton, who all of us obviously always say is underrated. Um, but somebody like him, if you can fetch him, that's probably – he's going to give you better efficiency than McCollum will. That's probably a better fit next to Dame too. Would you agree? I would agree because, you know, that's he's 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, he can defend, you know, any other two guard in the league and, and give him fits, give him trouble. And he's a great shooter, and he doesn't probably need as much usage. Well, CJ doesn't like demand usage, but you know, I think from all so there's some metrics that said that CJ was like the best, one of the best ISO scorers in the league, and that's all well and good. But now you got a defender and a versatile player beside Dame. I think it makes a team holistically better. So uh, that's a good deal, I think, and it, it becomes better and better the more I think about it. There was a time when I would have thought Milwaukee wouldn't want to give up that same versatility, but they, they, um, I think to go next level, they need a, a big time scorer beside Giannis. Right, so then, so then CJ could be that team's kind of designated offensive scorer, while Giannis plays that big, versatile, do-it-all guy and doesn't have to worry as much about scoring. So uh, that's a good one. I was thinking a guy like so if if Miami could somehow put a package around Josh Richardson together for CJ, because Josh Richardson is a, is a really good player, strong defender. Yeah, I hadn't thought I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's actually a really intriguing thing too. Yeah, it's just the the money has to work, so that they'd have to send out a lot more than just obviously Josh Richardson, and uh, obviously the talent has to work too because CJ is better than Josh. So, I mean, it's it's not impossible. It's definitely doable, and it's, I think it's something that the Portland ownership has to look into. Yes, we got Snotty dripping on with us, James Hollis. Um, so there are a lot of coaching positions that have opened up in the past. Just asking you, what is the best coaching situation that is currently open, or I guess will be open in the next month or so? Because I think Milwaukee needs a coach at this point. Um, Phoenix is looking, obviously, right now. Uh, so what's like the best coaching situation that's currently open? You know, I like Phoenix because there's a lot of young talent there. Expectations are still relatively low. Got a lot of pieces, and you can be, you can run a modern style, and everything you need there, right? Guys like you got uh, Marquise, Chris, and Bender. Really raw, big question marks, but they have the, the prerequisite skill set. They you know they're, they're long, they're athletic, and block shots. Devin Booker is one of the best young players in the league, as far as best young scores, and he's coming around as a complete player. Elvin Payton, you know whatever you do with him, keep him, send him off somewhere else. He's a, he's actually a point guard, and he 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 can produce for you. Um, Josh Jackson is just, again, like we we're saying, that kind of very big, physical, uh, creative, versatile kind of wing. There's a lot of good good young pieces in Phoenix, and you're going to add another pick this year. That's, a, I think, multiple picks, yeah. So I think that's a tremendous spot for a young, like, creative-minded coach who they're, they allow to, inst- like, install their system. You can't, you can't hamstring them and say you got to do certain things. Well, thanks for coming on with us, James. Always, it's a pleasure.
What the hell? That it is? really just kicks you. you like, get the hell out of here. Y'all don't stop coming off. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not yeah, a radio dude. guy. I'm trying to teach him how to yeah. wrap it up, and James, I almost just have him do it just to watch him mess it all up. Damn, it's funny. Man. <laughs> hey, let the people know where they can read your stuff. Um, I know you don't write because you're lazy, but where... You guys shamed me pretty good last time when I admitted that I, I've been a fraud, and my name's been carrying me on Twitter. So I just Listen, this is where honest talk happens, James, on this podcast. It is. So I'm going to actually... I'm going to issue an early apology to... to Eater Josh Eberly because oh, no, 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 listen, no, hold on, hold on, listen, oh, listen. The reason I say that because look, your show might be a piece of shit and you might write like and you might not know anything, but at least you do it consistently and you work hard. And like that means something. So if you're a consistent turd, at least you're consistent. I, you know what? Good on you, man. Good on you. Make a name for yourself for being a fing hack, and I appreciate that. <laughs> so I'm lazy, man. I barely write, and people say, oh man, at least what you say makes sense. But it doesn't matter because I'm inconsistent. So I'll take that. Inconsistency that's, is key. Yeah, that's my that's my that's my apology to, to turd burglar. Uh, <laughs> Let them know where they can find you on social media, bro. Check me out at Snotty Dripping, and then check us my writing out at B Ball Breakdown. Real Ball Insiders. Sometimes I need to do something for them too. And then me and Joe Borelli do the uh, the Dunk Tales podcast for the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, and that's it. Wow. Last time it was 19 podcasts. Now it's only two. You notice you only did two right there? I mean, you can find me every week on somebody else's shit. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. No, he's going to be on every episode of ours. One way or another, you're going to hear Snotty dripping on every single episode. So prepare yourself. This is Ben Sellers with the Detroit Free Press. Check it out. Two guys and a goose. Later. <laughs> two gods. No, Never mind. Perfect. I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. It's, it. You don't even know the name of the damn podcast, Vince. That's fantastic. It was two guys and a goose, right? Two gods. G-O-D-S and a goose. Okay, no, 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 uh, Vince, thanks for getting up with us and uh, getting and hanging out with us on a Sunday, no bro. No problem, no problem. I, I wasn't doing anything anyway. I just was sitting around here. Uh, I do have to do my uh, mailbag that I'll probably post on our website uh, tomorrow morning. But pretty much any Sunday day, I got some work to do. Watch some NBA basketball, watch a little baseball. But before I do all that, I'm happy to spend a little time with you guys. So Vince, how can we get a shout out in your mailbag? I gave you a shout out on your on my mailbag with that broke ass jumper you sent me <laughs> on Twitter last time. <laughs> you forgot about that? I did not forget about that. And actually, I beat Ben Qualiata or Bart Quickle, my whatever his name is. I ben, beat Benny him. Quaker State. Yeah, I I beat him in a three point contest <laughs> last year with that broke jumper. So okay, so was that did, did that shot go in that you sent me? Of course, it always goes in. Oh, please. You do not have a wet jumper. You sound like James. No. James always talks about how great his games is. I'm sorry, James Edwards with The Athletic. He's always talking about how great he can play. and uh, I'll, That's what I need to see. You and James getting together in a one-on-one game. Oh, I would I would break James' ankles. Vince, did you see the, the, the highlight of the entire sham thing was his spandex. Did you see that? Because this guy was he was he was one of those guys that goes into a gym and takes it extremely serious where he had, you know, the armbands. I didn't have armbands. I, arm I, I I just have the spandex. Come on. He has the, the sweat head the, the, the sweat band around his head. He goes in there and do does calisthenics warming up before he gets ready to yep, play. Yep, yep. Let's also shout out that was the time Sham still had the Manu Ginobili moonroof. That's true. Popping yeah, off. That's true. That's what I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see him actually play. All I did was see this picture. He wanted to show me how great the form on his jumper was. It looked broke. Yeah. But it went in. Okay. And I think that's all that matters, right? Because we see Lonzo Ball, and he's a uh, – well, what's his free throw percentage now? Like, it was 50% when he finished the uh, season? Yeah, less than true. Andre Drummond. Less than Andre Drummond. Really? I didn't, You know what? I wouldn't have known that. I – Lonzo Ball had a free throw sh- shooting percentage low- lower than Andre Drummond this year. Really? Yeah, he's like he was like 52 percent. I want to say that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. The point guard is shooting like that. Yes, yeah, that's bananas. Bust. What bust? I was just waiting Stop for that. It. I saw there was a hot Stop take. It. I saw it was coming. 
Lonzo Ball at 30%. I'd rather him shoot a three at 30% than shoot a free throw at 45%. I mean, do you live in the world where people, you know, they, they use this with Ben Simmons all the time, uh, that they that he can, you know, create, he can get a jump shot to an extent? You know, I, I've just really never known you know what? a dude who can't shoot that automatically can just turn around and end up being a shooter. Well, Jason, outside of Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. And you know what? they? You don't expect those guys to become um, like J.J. Redick with it. But right. uh, you have seen a, a threat. Of, you've seen a lot of instances of guys where they can't shoot a lick and they at least get to like league average, you know what I'm saying? At least where they come from a threat. Mm-hmm. Uh you see that happen. Right. That, that happens more routinely than you than you would think. When I look at Ben Simmons though, I think he might be wasting time trying to be able to shoot threes. If he could just come up with like a really good mid range game and the floaters where he's 6'10", he can pretty much get to anywhere he wants to on the floor anyway with just any kind of pick. Maybe the base, the free throw line floaters, the the tricky uh, uh, stuff around the rim and stuff. You know, I, I don't, I really don't ever see him becoming a proficient three point shooter. But I don't know if he really needs. No, to. certainly not with the team, with the players around him. And then if you to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, if you think if you we live in a world where he's you know, league average, and he's got a nice mid-range thing, I mean, that's automatically going to stretch the D more. That's really all he needs. Because do you really need – I mean, it, you know, shout-out to Sam Presti and everybody in Philly that's put that team together where he's Sam just Hankey. put – That's a fine. Who, what, what is it? Sam Hinkie. Oh, Sam Hinkie. My bad. Sam Presti's OKC. Yeah, that's definitely a fine. Uh, no, nah, but just putting, you know – I'm trying to be nice here, but a bunch of white guys that shoot awkward 25-footers around him, I mean, do you really need their shoot? Hold up. Uh, uh, my man, um, Covington. There's a black guy who stretches the floor for them, too. It ain't just a bunch of white guys. Well, I mean, their center is a black guy who can stretch the floor for them. Isn't that crazy now in today's NBA how you know, the point guard is a worse shooter I, than the center? What I, I tweeted something yesterday. This is not. This has been the playoffs of the, we, you know, the, the white off-balance shooters that have just dominated a lot of these games and i don't even know how to explain this if i tried bellinelli and Redick and and ersan like (laughs) dragic and sorry you remember that that lineup out there and i it just did cross my mind since we're this thing took off into a racial element (laughs) i said how many times have we seen a lineup like four white Four white guys and a brother out there. Uh, when Simmons was out there with Sarek, Ilyasova, Redick, and Bellinelli yesterday, and that was a lineup yesterday. And I was like, "Wow!" They they put four shooters around him and said, "Like, let's go, let's roll." <laughs> and the best part about that lineup is they destroyed Philly, or they, they destroyed Miami with that lineup. They took Hassan Whiteside just off the floor with Ilyasova stretching the floor. You know, it's uh, they were talking on the on the broadcast that that lineup has had a lot of success toward the end of the year anyway, because especially with uh, Embiid's injury, I guess it forced Brett Brown to do a little tinkering, and that, that was a lineup that they came across. I don't know if we call it the death lineup, but what would you call it? What would, what would be the equivalent of the Golden State death lineup of a couple of years ago? What would we call this lineup, the Citrus lineup, of the four white guys and Ben Simmons? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know the Golden Oreo lineup. I have no clue, man. I mean, it's it's it's. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like Philly, really, to me, Philly f- seems like a change in the NBA. Like I feel like we're going to go into a different lane for a minute for a long minute now i re- i feel like philly is like the hurricane that changes things for the next I, you know i'm not trying to be overly dramatic it just that feels like something because they shouldn't be this good this quick like i mean simmons and Embiid are maybe what 100 combined games ish or a little over in their career so far played so we got vince ellis on pistons beat writer detroit free press um vince there's been a lot of rumors and a lot of news kind of circling in the past week or so about the meeting between tom gores and stan van gundy and we know stan van gundy has another year on his on his contract in your opinion or based on what you've heard or whatever like what do you think is going to happen with stan van gundy going forward um we talked to people who wouldn't know who in a position to know um they and i've written this they can see a path forward um, for Stan to be back next year. But they hedge because, as you know, none of them can speak for Tom. Um, they talk to Tom. They probably have some inkling of how Tom's thinking. But other than that, Tom ultimately has to make the call. But that being said, usually when, when coaches, front office types go into these meetings, the, the, the owner is not calling them a partner. 
um, typically when a guy is um, ready and to completely blow it up, they typically do it right there at the end of the season. They don't mess around or they even do it toward the end of the season. Um, the fact that we've went so far does seem to indicate that Tom does, is really taking his time trying to figure out he's weighing pros and cons. Uh, but, you know, if I was a betting man, I would say he's probably staying. But again, like I said, I don't. I haven't spoke to Tom Gore, so I don't know what he's thinking. So Vince Ellis, uh, Piston Beat writer, Detroit Free Press, on with us two gods and a goose. So Vince, you're a foodie, and so are we. Maybe not Keith. Um, he just has protein. That's all he eats. <laughs> so we're gonna play a game. It's called Eat It or Beat It. So basically, you would say whether you want it, like you would eat the food and you would enjoy it, or forget about it, get that out of here. I wouldn't eat it. Let's do it. All right, so I'm going to start with the, I guess, with the the most tame food and then kind of work to the, the most egregious. Yeah, some of these foods I see on this list are making me dry yeah. heave already. All right, so we'll start. We're going to start with the Donut Dog. This is uh, with the Hartford Yard Goats, the AA affiliate for the, the, the Colorado Rockies. It's a glazed donut with bacon, raspberry jam, and two grilled hot dogs. Eat it. Time out. All right, let me, let's just start here, okay? Hold on, Vince. Let, let, me, let me preface this with Vince is from the South. Vince is a uh, I'll eat everything type guy. Not trying to stereotype you, Vince, but I like to stereotype you right there. Uh, so the salt, the, I don't do the sweet and the salt thing. I don't, I don't. So the hot, hot dogs and the glazed donut. That's the flavor combination. You're looking for contrast in your mouth. That, <laughs> yes. That, that yes, come out yes. right. It was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. It was perfect. So the next one is a chicken and waffle cone. It's a waffle cone with fried chicken strips inside with mashed potatoes, oh, yeah. honey mustard, and maple syrup. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Eat. I'll have like four yeah, of those. I'll have like four. Yeah, I'll have like four of those too. That's eight for me and Vince. Let's get those popping. Yeah, and that's at the, the AAA affiliate for the Twins, Rochester Red Wings. Um, so the next one is a Dutchy dog. It is mashed potatoes and sauerkraut in a toasted hot dog bun, and that's with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Ugh. Ugh. I would eat it. Eat it. Now eat that's it, taking it. sweet and salty oh, to it. God. Well, I guess like creamy and salty, mashed potatoes and sauerkraut, like vinegary. Like what is – that's an interesting combination. Ugh, sauerkraut is I'm so disgusting. Would you eat sauerkraut? Yes. No. Okay. Would you eat mashed potatoes? Yes. Yes. Okay, so and, – and bread, right? What else, what else am I missing? That's bread? it. No, that's it. Why? Why is there a need for that? I'm telling you guys right now, I got some like hot dogs in my freezer right now, and that's what I'm cooking tonight up. I'm gonna grill them bad boys on the stove, and I'm gonna throw some hot. I'm gonna throw some nice jalapenos, some uh, some sweet relish, and some sauerkraut on that bad boy, and we're gonna have a good time tonight. Vince, what you should do is you should pick up some glazed donuts and put those two hot dogs in there and eat it. You know what? That would like be a good idea, except. There's no Krispy Kremes close by. Dutch Girl on 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 uh, Woodward is probably like the the best donut shop close by to me. It's north of the Deja Vu uh, strip club, and I'm um, telling you, it's some of the greatest donuts in the world. I've never been to that strip club. So just, <laughs> keep your thoughts up the gutter, okay? <laughs> the sign is so big you can't help notice of the Deja Vu Deja Vu there, okay? Do the next one on the list because this one I'm I gotta leave right, the room. So for the this. next one is a tarantula burger and, and I'm gonna make it sound better than it actually is. It's a beef burger grilled oh, God. with Gruyere cheese, chili sauce, and an oven roasted tarantula <laughs> finished on the grill, so you get that nice char. Time out. An oven roasted spider? No, it's what? a tarantula. What is this? It's a spider. Like, it's more than a spider. I'd eat it. All right, I'm out of here. I'm leaving the room. So. Listen, I wouldn't, and I'll tell you why. It's because when you eat that tarantula, you're not just getting the taste of tarantula. You're getting these burnt hairs on the outside because it's, like, it's, oh, it's a hairy it's a hairy spider. So You know that for the most part, all that stuff just tastes like crab. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say it tastes like no, chicken. Like no, a, t- a spider does not taste like chicken or crab, like crab, Vince. I will bet you it tastes similar to crab. You like lobster. No, I'm not a seafood guy though, but that, I understand that I'm weird on that aspect. So I'm I'm not. I like okay, lobster. Sam, you like lobster. Love lobster. Okay, the lobster is just basically an insect. It's just a big insect, and it comes out of the sea. That's what lobster is. Yeah, but Vince, you don't eat like the outside of a lobster. Like the tarantula, you don't gut the the tarantula like you do a lobster. Oh you my just God, this is so disgusting. You just throw it in the grill, and it kind of curls up, and you put it. You just finish it, you know, on the burger. And I'd imagine there's a crunch. You guys oh are aware. And other parts of the world that they eat insects. Insects are a normal part of a normal diet. 
this is this is the hill you're gonna die on, Keith. Apparently, this is definitely a hill I will die on. I, why are we putting spiders on burgers? Just have the burger without the spider. I'm. You know what, Vince? We'll go to a game. You can have your tarantula burger. I'll take the burger minus the hold the tarantula. How hungry would you have to be to eat a tarantula? Zero. There's, You'd there's die look, I, I, have said, I would rather so die, die than eat a tarantula. One hundred percent. Here's what my mom would tell you: You've never been hungry before. That's what my mom would tell you. That's what she would say. Because whenever my mom would cook a meal, I didn't want it. She said, well, evidently you're not hungry then. No, and you know what? Your mom is absolutely right in that situation. Hey, guys. Hey, Ryan. Uh, little surprise. A little surprise for you. Um, so, like, when we had our, our, our failed recording last week, you had mentioned that you were fanboying over over this guy, uh, <laughs> comic book artist Ryan Stegman. How's it going, man? Good. How you guys doing? Uh, first thing I know, Ryan, coming up, you have you, – you've uh, kind of – Promoted it a little bit on Twitter, teased us a little bit, but uh, talk about your uh, upcoming venture with Venom. Yeah, we kind of, yeah May 9th. We got a uh, kind of lucky. There seems to be like a confluence of things that have made people super interested in this book. And you know, Venom normally has uh, a specific group of fans. You know, kind of like Deadpool has like they they all th- those people always support the book, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be like a top seller, but uh, you know, Donny Cates, the writer, is kind of hot right now, and yeah. So, the, and the movie's coming out, and so we got the sales numbers in on this book, and it's insane. I thought one of the coolest ideas Marvel had in a while was when they combined X Men, X Men Avengers Unity Squad. Mm-hmm. A lot of these uncanny characters. Just talk about that run you had on Uncanny Avengers. I mean, you were there, if I remember correctly, you were there from the first issue of that, right? Correct. Well, yeah, it was the second volume of the. So they. They had, they had done it once, and then we we really it. Uh, yeah, and we had like Deadpool and Cable in it, you know. And those guys are big news right now because they've got a movie coming out, and you know, teamed up with Old Man Captain America, and uh, you know, bunch of characters. But yeah, Jerry Duggan wrote that. That was a really good uh, team book. Um, I don't know, it was nuts. Did you read that one? I did. I did. As a matter of fact, I always I liked always the concept of the Uncanny Avengers, but you know, uh, you know, Captain America's idea to put together to kinda kinda um fight or uh, dispel or go against, you know, the anti mutant hysteria in the in the Marvel universe. Okay, we'll put together this team to kinda like uh address those concerns and stuff. And I always thought the storylines were pretty interesting. Mike one of the things I always like whenever I do talk to a comic guy who was your favorite character to draw? Oh, Spider-Man, no question. That was that's like what I drew as a kid. So uh, that's you know a lot of stuff that I do tends to have Spider-Man in it because uh, I've you know made it explicitly clear to Marvel that that's that's my guy. Uh, maybe Venom will be it now because I've kind of found that I love drawing Venom, but you know sure. he, he, he's in the Spider-Man world, so it's still a it's a similar vibe. Just more like a horror version of Spider-Man. You guys are talking about kind of current stuff, but but Ryan, kind of tell the audience, you know, your origin, kind of how you got started in this the whole thing, and then the second part of that, explain how the you know the Marvel gig even came about. You know, that's a huge thing. So kind of explain, you know, kind of give everybody your backstory to an extent. Well, I grew up, you know, I grew up in Troy, Michigan, um, and I just was always obsessed with drawing and uh as a kid i wanted to be an animator um like disney and everything uh was super obsessed with disney movies and was an animation snob from like the age of five and uh then i saw a documentary about how they made animation and it looked like a real job and um i really didn't like that so then i uh started to get into comic books and it was like oh one guy makes this and they just like sit in their home and they make you know you just draw and you don't have, you know, a boss over your shoulder or whatever. So then I got really into that and uh, just obsessively pursued a specific uh, aspect of art and, um, you know, got pretty good at it in high school and then um, went away to college at Michigan State uh, where I got an English degree uh, because my parents demanded that I have a fallback. (laughs) And then I kind of got worse at drawing because I just didn't do it for four years. And then uh, I came home and moved into my parents' basement for a couple of years. I just kind of worked and worked and 
sent in samples and I did a, a independent series called Midnight Kiss for a British publisher. So I did the Midnight Kiss book and then um, I parlayed that into getting a job with uh, doing this uh, novel adaptation for another small company called Magician Apprentice, uh, which is like a fantasy novel. Uh, and that company got bought by Marvel. So then I kind of, you know, I wasn't quite good enough to work for Marvel, I don't think, but they, I had Marvel editors um, and they kind of saw how sort of hungry I was and how um, I was improving and asking. And I think they found that to be an anomaly. Most guys just kind of come in and act like they own the place. And uh, so then they, the Mark Panici was my editor and he just kept like throwing me crumbs, you know, like keeping me busy so that I didn't have to, to not work for Marvel, but nothing big. And then like they, the job just kept getting progressively bigger. Ryan Stegman, uh, artist from Marvel Comics, on with us, Two Gods and a Goose. Uh, I wanted to kind of discuss, and I'm going to be completely transparent with uh, Vince and you and Vince. Uh, I'm a DC guy, but uh-huh. I enjoy Marvel. Yeah, my too. I read, I, I want, I, I, I read DC, DC as well. My, my two favorite uh, characters in the Marvel Universe are uh, Deadpool and Black Panther. So I kind of wanted to get your... You know, obviously, right now on the on the film side, you know, Marvel is kind of clobbering DC. Um, I still have a lot of hope mm-hmm. for DC, but I want to kind of get your 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 thoughts on the current state, and then you know your thoughts, uh, you know, on the Black Panther film, and then this Deadpool two, which looks really good coming up. Well, Deadpool two, Deadpool is one of the few outside of the Marvel un like because Deadpool is a Marvel character, but Sony. Or Fox. Fox yeah, makes right. those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fox, right, correct, correct. Because they have the X-Men. They have X-Men right Right, now. which Disney just bought. So that'll probably change in the future. But they're the, one of the first ones to get it right. Um, and it's because they stayed so close to the source material, which is what Marvel does so well with their movies. DC, it seems like they keep bringing in kind of director. Well, I mean, some of their movies. Like, I liked Wonder Woman yeah, a lot. Yeah, fantastic. But um, they bring in people who kind of want to put their stamp on it which is strange because you have years and years of source material to draw from. Like, you know, which stories worked in the comics. So you should, you know, that's what Marvel gets right is they take their great comic book storylines and make them into movies. You know, they've, they've had plenty of failures, but they just skip those in the movies, you know? And, uh, so that's kind of why I think that Marvel kicks their butts, but, uh, yeah, no, um, black Panther was, uh, I thought that was spectacular. Marvel understands, I think, better than DC. Uh, you know, DC gets caught up in these dark themes, and there's always a mm-hmm. sense of fun uh, when it comes to Marvel films that somehow DC just doesn't get. Even when DC tried to tries to maybe lighten things up, it comes across either forced or uh, or corny, or, not, or corny. Uh, uh, unlike whereas the dialogue in Marvel is which. which Josh Whedon, you know, when he the first Avengers film, you know, he kind of set this uh, uh, um, standard of uh-huh. just the dialogue in Avengers. All these Marvel films are always mm-hmm. typically amazing. So, yeah, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's really it's kind of piggybacking off of what Ryan said. You know, there's so many great storylines to pull from. And realistically, you can do funny heart, you know, hero type things those stories are not super hard to write so to me it's almost like now to 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 take another point ryan said you know directors are trying to come in and have their own thing but i feel like on the dc side there's been a lot of studio hands in the business and not you know i mean justice league had you know 17 directors and so some of that plays into it but i feel like to kind of what you said vince marvel does it really really well and it's and it's not really a simple it's not really a difficult um formula really in my yeah, they opinion. have a more singular vision i feel like that's kind of the key that they have um they have a you know kevin feig i think is how you say his name is up top and he kind yeah. of dictates um the whole tone I, I feel like there will be come a time when you know there'll be more cooks in the kitchen but he's done such a nice job that nobody has to give him that give give that up but you know, someday he'll leave and then it'll be like, you know, we'll start to get a, a little more disjointed. And But right now, it's for these type of movies. Uh, Ryan Stegman, uh, artist from Marvel Comics on with us. Um, huge celebrity. This is this is a big deal for us. Uh, Sham, mm-hmm. I'm going to just throw the floor to you. Cause- so, Ryan, I'm not sure if you heard, but I have a little bit of, of an artistic, uh, you know, talent here and there. And 
you know, when I was younger, I had I had drawn a picture uh, in a news article that I wrote uh, for the, the the Sporting News. I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, yeah, it was a pretty big publication mm-hmm. back in the day. So and so in mm-hmm. that in that publication, I drew a picture of Ben Wallace dunking on a basketball hoop, and I would say it's pretty lifelike. Uh, but I w- I just wanted to get a professional's opinion on mm-hmm. on how it turned out. Uh, the anatomy is obviously <laughs> fantastic. Uh, I like that his body is made of uh, tubes. Um, it really uh, shows how you know Ben Wallace is a muscular man, and here I like how you downplayed that. Uh, and gave him really fat lower legs. Um, the motion lines really, really uh, indicate how high he's jumping there. And uh, I like how happy he looks while he's while, while he's dunking. I uh, yeah, I was just trying to you know do an accurate depiction of him. So I mean, Vince knows Ben Wallace. He's seen Ben Wallace you know often. Um, so you know he can he can attest and he can uh, mm-hmm. you know he can he can vouch for me that that is it. That that is what he looks like. Yeah, it is what he lo- and and I like that it, the Pistons is written below the number on the jersey, which probably happened because you put the number three first and then didn't have a place to put the Pistons part. I guess. <laughs> and uh, I I can't I guess technically I don't know if he's dunking a basketball because there's no basketball to be seen. Uh, but. I, I'm assuming he is. I will say this: that was a great headline. Pistons whoop magic. That was the headline on the on the sporting news. You know, I, you know, I'm surprised I didn't win a, uh, a Pulitzer or whatever. You know, journalists win for. You actually have like columns here. You're trying for columns anyway. Yeah, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the actual article, but this. He showed me the article, so he's trying yeah. to. It was his first attempt to be a newspaper guy. At what age? Was last, it? I hope. Uh, it was it was earlier this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan Stegman, artist from Marvel Comics. Thank you for being a good sport, man. Uh, let the people know on social media where they can follow you. You know your current projects. Let everybody know where to go to check you out. All right, I'm on. I'm on like all the platforms at Ryan Stegman. I I mainly use Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I'll, you, on May 9th, you can pick up Venom number one. Uh, it's going to be uh, available, you know, go down to Vault of Midnight in Detroit like Vince. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it right now. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, Vince, you are awesome as, as well, man. Let people know on social media where they can follow you, too. They should absolutely be following you if they aren't. Vincent underscore Ellis 56. Or Nerd on Pistons. Uh, that's another way of finding me as well. So and I think I just proved on this co- podcast I truly am a nerd. Anyway, uh, Freep.com, mm-hmm. obviously, is another place you can find me at. Uh, glad to be on on your podcast. Gl- hope to do it again. Gods and the Goose Podcast. All right, you know what we do? We end every show. Uh, I, f- I found out, Sham, this is not my mom's favorite segment. It is my dad's favorite segment. So shout out to my dad, um, massive Two Gods and a Goose fan. It is called Ask Sham, hashtag Ask Sham on Twitter. Uh, Sham, are you ready? Are you doing push up? What are you doing over there right now? I'm just getting in the zone. And, I, and yes, I'm ready. I was born ready. And now it's time for Ask Sham. All right, question number one. Des Bryant was released by the Cowboys. Would you want to sign Des Bryant? So I'm a Lions fan, and we have two good receivers, but none as good as Des Bryant. So I would not want to sign him. Because- After the Seahawks canceled their workout with Kaepernick uh, because he told them he couldn't guarantee he wouldn't kneel, and the 49ers linebacker Reuben Foster was retained by San Francisco after he was formally charged with felony domestic violence, all stemming from a February arrest. Is it finally official, Sham? Is the NFL a garbage dump league? Yeah, I said this earlier. The NBA has surpassed the NFL in terms of uh, non you know, domestic violence, you know, things going on. The NBA is way better, way more entertaining. They care about their players. Buy stock in the NBA. Uh, Jersey Shore is back. Do you care? No. Uh, How fun has this Miami-Philly series really been? It's been a lot of fun. Justice Winslow playing the role of a villain, stepping on Joel Embiid's mask. But you know what? Joel Embiid has like 50 of those masks. So Philly's going to win. Philly in four. Strawberries again. 
top 2018's Dirty Dozen Fruits and Veggies list, agree or disagree? These strawberries are disgusting. Not that the way they taste is how often do you buy a packet of strawberries and then within like a day it all turns green? Terrible. They're so dirty. I would never eat strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, way better berries. Uh, strawberries is unreliable. Would you rather win a title in a magical run, but then have the team break up and spend the next decade winning 30 games? Or would you rather spend a decade winning 50 plus and never see a title? I'd rather win a title and then spend the next decade winning 30 games, just like the Pistons have been. Uh, is Drew Holiday the Al Horford of point guards? No. That doesn't do Drew Holiday justice. He is way better than Al Horford. I think if Drew Holiday played the four, could put up more numbers, more rebounds than Al Horford. Is Tristan Thompson worth it? No, not to anybody. Not to the Kardashians, not to the Cavs. He's not worth anything. Uh, a study said night owls have 10% higher mortality risk. Thoughts on that? Well, clearly, because if you stay up later, you have a higher chance of dying. So yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Early bird gets the worm. It's not late bird gets the worm. Uh, hashtag AskSham on Twitter. You know what we do. Uh, AskSham, we end every show with that. So send in your questions. Hey, that's episode five, man. You know, I didn't know it's been four or five weeks, but uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We want to thank uh, Vince Ellis, Detroit Free Press. Uh, Ryan Stegman, huge get for us. Way out of our league. Can't even believe that guy agreed to come on to this show. Uh, and of course, James Hollis, Snotty Drippin, uh, show regular. I, w I would assume he's probably going to be a show regular. So shout out to all our guests. Uh, Sham, what did you think about this episode? Do you have good feelings uh, about this episode? It would probably, uh, in like a seven-game series, it would do better than Portland did. We'll see you guys on episode six.